Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? And the wolf is at your door. You running so Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Bloody Angola, a prison podcast, 142 years in the making. The complete story of America's bloodiest prison. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And we're going to pick up right where we left off last week with the story of Brent Miller and what became known as the Angola 3, which was actually 4. Right. Uh, and it, and if you haven't, if you're picking this episode up now, you've just discovered Bloody Angola. Go back and listen to those. You'll love them. But we're going to pick up where we left off, which is the trial right. aspect of this heinous crime. And, y'all, the, this part is really controversial. Um, it's gone on for, what, 50 years now? Uh, almost, yeah, almost exactly 50 years so we're going to touch on all the, the trials and the things that are coming up. And again, this doesn't reflect Jim or I's personal views or the views of our sponsors. But the Brent Miller uh, career correctional officer, generational correctional officer, brutally murdered, stabbed to death over 30 times. They um, investigation, however it was. Uh, and they indicted four men for the murder of Brent Miller. That's correct. They indicted uh, Albert Woodfox. Uh, I'm sorry, Herman Wallace, Albert Woodfox. They also indicted Chester uh, Jackson. Yep. And Montague. And Montague. And they indicted them all for participating in this murder of Brent Miller, who was a prison guard at Angola and a generational prison guard. Right. And so this crime, y'all technically, even though it's occurred, this crime, this murder, and uh, I should never call it a crime because Brent Miller was a real living human being. Um, 
this murder occurred inside the gates of Angola, but it falls under the jurisdiction of the West Feliciana Parish Sheriff's Office, and therefore the district attorney and the court system out of West Feliciana, Louisiana. So they were indicted in um, 1972, and the First two to really go on trial, and y'all skip around a lot because there's a lot that we've researched, and there's a lot of personal knowledge we have. But they they take them to court to trial in St. Francisville, Louisiana, which is the closest town to Angola Penitentiary. And there's no doubt, no denying the fact that most everybody in St. Francisville knew everybody in Angola. By this time, they're all going to high school together and everything. Like I told you, my mama taught Brent Miller, knew the family, and she still to this day knows generations of, of people that worked at Angola. And my mom was living in St. Francisville at the time. But they bring them to trial there. Um, and... It's tough. The, the The trial happens, and basically the, the state presents the case that um, Hezekiah Brown. Brown. First up was Hezekiah Brown, who, if you'll remember from a prior episode, had uh, changed his story. Originally, he said he knew nothing about the murder, and then uh, changed that and said he was fixing coffee when Wood Fox, Montague Wallace, and Chester Jackson came in and began attacking Miller. So that was their star witness, if you will. Right. And so and even though he, he was known to be a career snitch. Right. Uh, but y'all, it doesn't mean he didn't see it. But, um, and they put him up and they said, the jury member said afterwards, he was very, very believable. And they knew the the defense put on a part about him being a career snitch and, even one of the wardens said, hey, you pretty much get this dude to say anything you want to. But the jury member said he was believable. Right. And uh, they took that to the bank, really. It it was probably the biggest part of that case from a conviction standpoint was that he was believable. The jury believed every word he said. Yeah. And, and, and the other piece of that puzzle would be Chester Jackson – who was charged before the trial, he changed the story. He said, you know what? I am not innocent. He said, I definitely partook in this murder, but it wasn't just me. And, and he testified that it was him and Albert Woodfox and Herman Wallace um, and Montague. And, he got a reduced sentence for it. I mean, he got a plea deal, no doubt about it, but he testified. And now think about that. I know, I mean, the death penalty wasn't on the table. Uh, and But for you to come out and say that, getting a reduced sentence, I mean, shit, he was doing a long time anyway. I, don't, I forgot how many years it was. But for him to come out and say, you know what, I, yeah, I was there. Right. And, and, um, so it's tough. But – there were problems with the trial, no doubt. And, and my, I make no bones about the fact. And if I get this this trial confused with another one, then I apologize. But during the trial, right before it starts, when Woodfox and Wallace are in the courtroom, um, one of them says to the judge, hey, I don't want to be represented by these lawyers. These guys, I, I, we just spoke to them. And now we're going to trial, right? And I don't want to do it. And the judge basically told him to be quiet. And then the other one said, same thing. I don't want to be represented by, by these people. And the judge said, I told you to be quiet. The other one stood back up and said, you know, kept going on. And the judge said, you say one more word, and I got something for you. And he said, well, I'm saying the word right now, so bring it on. The judge had um, the sheriff's deputies come in duct tape their mouths shut and handcuff them behind their backs. And they were in prison uniforms. Yeah. And, and there's a lot to that, that uh, we're going to unpack real quick. So right. first of all, uh, people don't show up in prison uniforms anymore for trials like that. And the reason is you have a preconceived notion of their guilt. They used to have, you remember the strike 
uniforms, white and black stripes or whatever for inmates. Well, you will you won't see that in a courtroom now when they're standing trial. And the reason for that is a jury sees that and there's a pre- preconceived notion of guilt. Right. So uh so that's one thing. Now imagine <laughs> being a jury and you walk in and, and the uh you know the the people up for conviction of whatever crime have their mouse duct taped and their handcuffed. Or, yeah, the or, accused, thank and you. And they're in prison uniforms. And they're in prison uniforms. I and mean, what are you gonna think? Duct tape, mouse, handcuffed behind your back, sitting there, and then you listen to these uh witnesses testify against them. And I mean, of course, I mean anybody would be biased. I do not agree with that. I mean uh, Yeah, that's <laughs> not to mention the fact it is an all white jury. In St. Francisville, who all knew Brent Miller, right? And and, and I may have this small one, town, a smaller and, town for those. And I may have this one confused with the, a following trial, but however it happened, listen to this. Ann Butler, whose husband had been the investigating warden, warden uh, Herman Wallace was it? Yes, yeah, Herman Wallace, ex-husband, and they had written a book together about how Wood Fox and, and Wallace were guilty of the murder of Brent. And she's on the jury. She's on the jury. And she went to the DA, DA and was like, and I think it probably was one of the later trials, but it doesn't matter. She went to the DA and was, DA and was like, hey, I know you're going to let me off. A small town. She knew him, right? Mm-hmm. And DA was like, uh, you're on the jury. And they, she was able to show a copy of the book to the people that were impaneled on the jury. Right. And that these are things that we're listing that would never have. It's the first time I've ever heard of that. It's the first time I've ever heard of someone being duct taped, handcuffed and all of that in a courtroom for a trial. Um, I don't know who defended them, what public defender, but you would think he would have thrown a fit and the uh, Brock law firm would have thrown a fit. Brock law firm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You better believe that. Jasper. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. So the deal being, y'all, naturally, they were found guilty, okay? And uh, that was in January of 1974. And, of course, they were sentenced to Angola. All right? And which they were already serving right. time, obviously, but they had 50 years. They were both in there for robbery. Right. So they had they were each sentenced. I, I think their sentences were both 50, 50 years. years right. Which at that time they had kind of one for one, so you you know good time and right. stuff like that. You probably served twenty five, so that was prior to this incident. So they get they get shipped back, right? And I mean, this is kind of skipping ahead, but we'll get to it too. But they lock them up in solitary confinement. I'm gonna talk about that for a second. Uh, solitary confinement, y'all. The back then, especially, um, they might have let them out once a week for an hour to shower or something like that. I mean, there's studies. Solitary confinement is a one man cell, no nothing, a bunk, a toilet, and that's it. And at the time, they were even feeding them, uh, they were sliding their food trays underneath the door. They didn't have the slots in the door for the food trays. And uh, they the studies show. People can go crazy, mentally lose their mind, and in short as 15 days. Both Woodfox and Herman Wallace served more than 40 years. In the, That's unreal. 40 years in solitary confinement. And we're going to touch, we'll get, we'll get to all that, but just keep that in mind. Yeah. So, solitary confinement, you have no interaction. They, now, they could talk cell to cell, like they would make homemade chess boards out of uh, toilet paper and have the chess pieces and call out, I'm moving whatever R1 to whatever, you know, and the, they would call back, and the, they would pass time like that. But they can't they can't even see each other, right? And, right. And it's not like the cells are, are across from each other, it, it, like you see in the movies. It's a long row of cells, and they're facing these windows that they can't even see out of. There is no cross-ventilation. Oh, no, there's no oh, shit back then. There was no heat. No there, air. There no, no air during the summer. And look, I used to work on this box when there was no air, and, and at least they had fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, I mean, 
and the can you mention the stink and everything else? But the and they were known for having being convicted for killing a guard. How do you think the correctional officers treated them? Right. Yeah. And good, bad, or indifferent. We're not saying one way or the other, but uh, it is what happened. And in solitary confinement, you can go nuts after 13 days. Yeah, it's a short time. So multiply that 40, you know, by 40 years. I mean, uh, wow. There's another guy, Woody, involved in this, and, and that is uh, Mr. King. Mr. King. Robert King. Robert King. And. And this story gets a little bit crazier now. This is crazy. So Robert King was a Black Panther in addition to the two convicted, Wood Fox and uh, Wallace. He Now it's important to note, he was not at Angola when this murder took place of Brent Miller. He had been at Angola before, but he had never even met Brent Miller. He had been in, at, at Angola, I believe, before Brent Miller started his career and, yeah. and got released. And he, and he got out. But go ahead. You, you go ahead. He, he got out, and then, uh, it, you know, basically shortly after Brent Miller uh, was killed, he he had been sentenced again to Angola, committed another crime. He wasn't a Boy Scout, let's put it less, that way. Yeah, it was like less than six months he gets shipped there. Yeah, so Robert King ended up going back to Angola. Now, when you get to Angola, where you're housed depends upon how you act inside. Okay, it's not the crime that you committed outside. The there's there's chomos and 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 multiple serial killers, whatever, living in dormitories, not in cell blocks. Robert King comes six months after, and they automatically lock him up in solitary confinement, okay? Now, when he's locked up, the reason was, and this is documented, the reason was, and they put it on there, for you are under investigation for the murder of Brent Miller. Shit, he wasn't even there. Was not even there. uh, But when he's on that cell block, at some point, somehow, magically, all the doors get opened at one time, and all of them... uh, the convicts get out on the tier and there is a murder and Robert King got charged as, as being the, uh, a part of this murder, even though the guy that murdered the guy, there was two guys fighting that were nice. And, um, and the guy admitted, he said, yes. And he, this guy had blood all over him. The guards came in and he said, yeah, he said, I killed him, but it was self-defense. they, they charged Robert King with the murder, and and he got convicted. And even though this other guy said, "Hey, I did it," he didn't have any part to do with it. But then they not they, making this up, folks. That's right. Then they after his conviction, they shipped him back and lock him in solitary confinement. Uh, uh, but later on, that conviction was overturned on appeal. And he was released in 2001 after taking a plea deal. The plea deal being, y'all, they told him uh, when he went to court, the DA said, hey, you know, he comes in and pleads guilty to accessory after the fact, which if, if that's the case, then anybody on that tier could have been charged with accessory after the fact because they all had knowledge of what happened, right? But right when he went to go in the courtroom, his, his attorney went and talked to the DA. DA's like, mm, fuck that. I'm changing the deal. He needs to plead to the murder, and it will give him credit for time, sir. But, y'all, we're talking like 29 years later. And he came back out, and, and King wasn't going to take it. King was like, fuck it. I'm not going to do it. And his lawyer's like, mm, you get to walk today. Yeah. You take it. Otherwise, yeah. you're going back your to find it. And, and he did it. And he's, ultimately, he took the deal, although he maintains his innocence. And that's it. I mean, uh, it's just a crazy side story. Insane. And, and you know, important to note, I think it was something like 24 years or something. He was in solitary every time. So when you're 29 years, 29 years. And every time uh, when you're in a solitary confinement atmosphere, every three months you have to come up for review. Right. Every, yeah. Every 90 days. Every 90 days. So uh, every 90 days. Uh, King would go up to a review board and they would review whether he need, you know, he's ready to be out of solitary confinement or if they wanted to keep him there or whatever. 
Um, for 29 years, he went up every three months, and they denied it. And they look over these case the, files. The, the, on every single denial, these are documented, y'all. On every single denial, it said because you are under the investigation for the murder of Brent Miller. Yes. So. Yes. And uh, and his only affiliation really with that entire thing was black the Panthers. fact that he was a Black Panther. Absolutely. On, on appeal, Wood Fo- uh, Woodfox's 1974 conviction for murder of Brent uh, was overturned in 1993 on the constitutional grounds of inadequate counsel at the first trial. No surprise. Right, right. I mean, the, I mean like you said, I don't know who they were. I probably actually – I can tell you who it wasn't. Jasper Brock. Jasper Brock. (laughs) (laughs) It's overturned, um, but the state turns around immediately and re-indicts Wood Fox again that year, and the result of of a grand jury that was headed by a white foreman that was appointed by the court. So, anyway— in, in 1998, Wood Fox was convicted a second time for the murder of Brent Miller, um, but his defense amounted to another appeal, right? They appealed it again. You want to go to King? Yeah. So, as we told you, King was released following 29 years of solitary confinement in 2001. Now, his conviction was overturned on compete on excuse me appeal uh and he pleaded guilty as as Woody said to a charge a lesser charge so that he could basically get out it was basically right. like they said look if you plead to this you can get out today and he fought that at first but right. but his lawyer said just plead man and you can walk today and eventually that's what he did yeah. well you know one thing he did say when he got out he said I'm free of Angola, but Angola will never be free of me. Yeah. And, and he, he went on to advocate for prisoners and, and stuff. That's right. And and another interesting thing to note about King was when uh, they told him raise his right hand to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, he intentionally raised his left hand. And the reason he said he did that, and this is his own words, is – I was not going to conform and comply right. to them. And he said, it probably would have been a bad idea if anyone would have noticed, but I think I think the judge might have noticed, yeah. but nobody else did. Right. So that was his way of saying, I'm going to go ahead and plead to your to to your charge that I don't agree with, right. but I'm going to do it with my left hand right. to you know, basically have something. Right, a little bucket, bucket yeah. up and have pride. So. Right. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year there, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this. And you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those rows, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. It's springtime, boys. The grass is green, the birds are chirping, and the kids will be out of school soon. That makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation. 
And we know from the stories we cover that this is not exactly the time to take the family to the Caribbean. You don't want to end up in the middle of some cartel drug shootout. So this year, it's time to take an international journey. And of course, a big international trip is just one reason to learn a new language with Rosetta Stone. You might have a different one. Maybe you want to connect with family or friends living overseas. Maybe you want to acquire a new skill for work or better understand a certain culture. Rosetta Stone has helped me have fun with my mother and at least have partial conversations in Italian after only a few lessons. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and many more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process, you pick up a language naturally, designed for long-term retention, speech recognition. The true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and an amazing value. That's right, Woody. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Sayonara. All right, so in 2000, the Angola Three filed a civil lawsuit against Louisiana Department of Corrections saying that um, the inhumane and increasingly pervasive practice of long-term solitary confinement, and they sought damages against the state and Department of Corrections because of the adverse effects of being locked down in solitary confinement for so long. For 40-plus years. Guess what? As of like 2019, that case was still pending. <laughs> Talk about lawyers' times and shit up, right? But while, Red the, tape. while the men's civil suit and appeals of their cases were pending, in March of 2008, Wood Fox and Wallace were moved to a maximum security dormitory at Angola. They had each been held for 36 years in solitary confinement. So State Representative Cedric Richmond, which is uh, a New Orleans uh, representative, was granted permission to visit them. And authorities rarely granted that. He's now a congressman. Yeah, yeah, now a congressman. He told a reporter he believed they had been moved from solitary based primarily off of political pressure that they were getting – uh, about the case, and I'm, when I say that, I mean Angola getting political pressure, uh, as well as they also had a civil suit out there, and yeah. so you know Angola was like, "Wow, they're su- suing us in civil court." Probably a lawyer took a look at that right. case and said, "Yeah, you need to go ahead and move them," right. um, and that's what they did. It's crazy. Woodfox had two appeal hearings in federal district court, one in November of 2008 and one in May of 2010, both which resulted in his second conviction being overturned and his being granted a full habeas corpus. The rulings by the federal district courts were overturned by the Fifth District Circuit Court of Appeals. All right, y'all, let me tell you this. I know that for a fact. In 2008, Judge James Brady, I have a little personal history with him, his son and I were college roommates, Sean Brady. I think Sean's now head track coach at Texas A&M. But Judge Brady also graduated in the same law school class as my mama and my daddy. They're friends, right? So I actually picked him up from the airport in New Orleans one day when Sean was busy. He's a good dude, but he's a hard hardballer. But he overturned the conviction, and the state said, and he said, hey, let him out or let him out on bond. Uh, let them out on bond or set them free, period. The state said, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> to the federal judge. They said, we're not doing it. Wow. So, uh, so many things about that. Now, um, let's go to 2009. And, and uh, Wallace 
was Wallace in particular was moved from Angola with a group of about 15 inmates. And they're moved to Elaine Hunt Correctional Center, which if you're not from Louisiana, you may not realize Elaine Hunt is more of a, almost like a paperwork point. Yeah. For, it's, it's short-term stays. Yeah, for, everybody that gets sentenced to the Department of Correction goes to Hunt's first, where they get classified to what prison they're going to. There are some that stay there long-term, but then the, 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 most of them don't. So uh, they he does. He goes there, and they actually had created a – it was a newly constructed uh, closed cell isolation tier. Right. So pretty much, put you know, right, put right back solitary. In the box, right yeah. back in the box. Yeah. And the, and the state now, they of course, they argue that that's not solitary confinement. Yeah. But so back to it, when um, the federal judge, um, James Brady in 2008, I'm not sure who it was in 2010, the, they said, hey, let him go, da 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 and in 2010 is when they the lawyers, you know, went to the prison with, with the paperwork, and they were like, uh, fuck you for not doing it. And they went back to the federal judge, and the federal judge said, I'm staying in my office, and issued another warning. He said, if you don't do it, then I'm going to find you, y'all all in contempt and with possible jail time. So both Wallace and Wood Fox served – Way past their original uh, sentences, if you remember me saying they they were at around fifty years before right. good time uh, for armed robbery. So um, both of them also had some pretty serious uh, a range of medical issues, and and some of them allegedly were from their uh, confinement and solitary confinement in a, in a forced you know a sedentary lifestyle. You're exercising basically in your cell yeah. for 40 years. Four step this way, four step that way, turn around and do it again. That's it. I mean, wrap your brain around that. So um, prison officials, they pretty much maintained the reason for keeping them in solitary fi- confinement was they were worried about a uprising of the Black Panthers if they were to get out and get into general population. That's, that's right. And this is after – now, they moved them to these two different prisons from Angola in response to the federal court saying, you need to let them go, to which Buddy Caldwell, who was the attorney general, said, fuck you, I'm not doing it. But they did ship them, and they separated them, and now they're having all these health problems. Having all these health problems, and, and of course, some you know at some point somebody said, well, why were they in solitary confinement for this long? And, and they said, well, they – you know – one thing you got to keep in mind is these guys at this point, prisoners knew about their case. This was national, international news. They were famous. So they had a lot of power. Uh, and, you know, the prison officials, their their kind of excuse there was, look, if they get out of solitary confinement, they can they're, – they're like gods. I, I heard this. I can't confirm it, but I heard that I, – I don't remember which one. They were bringing them through – and they were moving somewhere to, I don't know, to take them to an infirmary or something. They were moving through a room of inmates, and they said when he walked in, he was being guarded by the guards. He was being guided through. The inmates in the room came to a hush, and then they started applauding and cheering for him. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were like, like these guys were fucking badass. Right. They, they are the heroes of every convict. That's right. So from a prison, uh, you know, good, better, and different. From a prison standpoint, they knew uh, in their mind that, hey, man, these guys get to communicating with other inmates. That can be a problem. So that was their excuse anyway. Now, in July of 2013, Wallace got diagnosed with uh, advanced liver cancer. You know, his lawyers had gone and seen him, and they are like, holy shit, he's lost a ton of weight. And then they – got his medical records and they got him uh, shipped to New Orleans to be examined. And they said he had like a, a beignet sized tumor in, on his liver and yeah. he had never been scanned for it yeah. where he was housed in solitary confinement. Right. And, uh, and so obviously he's, you know, he got diagnosed with that originally. They thought it was a stomach condition. It wasn't, um, and he got diagnosed with advanced liver cancer. And so his defense team, 
uh, they filed a, what's called a writ of habeas corpus, and they basically said that he had not received a fair trial and was thus illegally being held by the state. And in an October 2013, federal judge Brian Jackson ruled that Wallace had not received a fair trial because no women were included on the jury. Um, judge Jackson vacated the original grand jury indictment and ordered Wallace's immediate release. Uh, the original indictment, stating the original indictment was unconstitutional. The state announced its intention to reindict Wallace for Miller's murder, but on October 4th, he died a few days after being released from jail. So he finally he was, gets when, when he got released from jail, y'all, he's taken out in an ambulance. And, I mean. Yeah, he they, was they, he was on in his last legs. Yeah. And then uh, there was a white couple in New Orleans that had a house like uh, maybe a block or, or two blocks from where he grew up. And they took him in. Um, they, the doctor said, put him in a hospice place, right? And they were like, no, he's been locked up in institutions long enough. We'll show him the love. And they played the music and did all this stuff, whatever. Hey, Wallace got a much better death than Brent Miller did. Yeah. So um, that 100%. And, um, you know, important to note also that by this time, 2013, uh, these guys were not only well known by the inmates; they were well known by everybody. Worldwide they were, media, worldwide media, and, and, now and the internet is coming into play and everything else. That's right. So they had attorneys uh, left and right throwing one, themselves. Out. Absolutely. I mean, this is a case you can become world famous for if right. you get them out of jail, right? right? So they had the best of the best as far as legal defense at that point. So in in, in March of 2013. A federal district judge in New Orleans overturned Wood Fox's second uh, conviction from 1998 for the prison murder, ruling that it was based on racially discriminatory grounds because a white foreman had been appointed to the grand jury and that this was part of the pattern of discriminatory practice found in the state. Y'all, that's when um, the one I was telling you about earlier, actually. And But Louisiana Attorney General... Buddy Caldwell promised to appeal the district court's decision, saying, we feel confident we will again prevail at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. However, if we do not, we are fully prepared and willing to retry this murder again. And on November the 20th, 2014, a three-person panel of the Fifth Circuit judges unanimously upheld the lower court's opinion that Wood Fox's conviction had been secured through racially discriminatory means. The panel found that the selection of a white grand jury four-person in the 1993 indictment hearing prior to the trial formed part of the discriminatory pattern in the area of, in that area of Louisiana, being St. Francisville, y'all, and including that this action amounted to a violation of the U.S. Constitution and the judges struck down Woodcock Fox's conviction. So the state of Louisiana at that point basically said, fuck you, we're not releasing him, and uh, and basically said we need time. Uh, well, wait a minute. The state of Louisiana refused to release Wood Fox pending their decision as to whether to pursue a new trial against him. So basically they said, uh, well, we're still thinking about if we want to pursue a new trial, so we're not going to release him just yet. They're worried if they release him, they may never capture him again if they decided to pursue a new trial. The prison also refused to move him out of solitary confinement. On February 12th of 2015, the state then indicted Wood Fox again for the third time. Third time. The third time for the 1972 murder of Brent Miller, the prison guard. Now, Woody, um, I want to ask you this from your investigation standpoint and, uh, you know, your, your life, life of, of police work. Um, why did the, the double jeopardy stuff, why didn't it result here? They, because he was not found innocent. They overturned it on on the appeals base, saying off race, makeup of the jury, whatever it may be. If he had ever been found not guilty, 
then they could have never tried them again. Gotcha. As long as it's, it's reversed on uh, other means, then it's like, okay, we can fix that shit. Let's retry them. Gotcha. Buddy Kyle was like, fuck you, we'll retry them. And, but on, this was what I was alluding to earlier, on June 8, 2015, U.S. District Judge James Reddy ordered the release of Wood Fox after having overturned his second conviction for the killing of Brent Miller. Uh, Judge Reddy ordered, his order barred a third trial from taking place as he noted that most of the witnesses had died and he believed that it was unlikely that Wood Fox could gain a fair trial. He also noted evidence suggesting Mr. Woodfox's innocence. Now, I get this to a point, Judge Brady, thinking most of your witnesses have died, like Chester's dead, uh, Ezekiel or whatever his name is dead. Uh, the the guy oh. that was making the coffee. Yeah. Herman, uh, is, Herman, whatever his name is. Right. He's dead. So what you have then are their courtroom statements. Well, you get those, they can't be impeached. Right. I mean, a defense attorney can't get up and tear him in you asshole. And yeah. say, well, you saw um, this happen, but, you know, what kind of clothes were they wearing or whatever, right? A hundred percent. And uh, so it's a, it's also important to note that uh, nobody was saying he didn't do it. That, yeah. Essentially what, the, what that judge was saying was uh, most of your witnesses would, are dead now. And there was a lot of problems with, and that's why it's so important. And if you listen to, I'm gonna plug real life or a crime here, but that's why it's so important. And and when you listen to Woody on real life or a crime, he always talks about evidence protection and and uh, you know when there's a murder, roping off the scene and not letting anybody in. Right. One little technicality, and they had a lot of technicalities right. here. And especially when you're forty years later. Right? Yeah. Yeah, one little technicality can ab- absolutely have a guilty person be turned free. Right. Forty years later, I mean, they've been playing armchair quarterback for forty years. You got forty years to try to find any little crack in the case that the powers that be back in the day might have messed up on. That's right. So four days later, the majority of a three-judge panel of the U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals reversed Judge Brady's decision. It directed the state could hold Wood Fox in prison until the matter was resolved and it could mount a third trial. The dissenting judge, James L. Dennis, agreed with Judge Brady that the state had failed to remedy the problem of racial discrimination. And Judge Dennis noted that more than a dozen witnesses, including the state's only purported eyewitness to the murder and two alibi witnesses for Mr. Wood Fox, were no longer breathing. Yeah. Yeah. So the state announced it would try Woodvox for a third time, but but they offered him a plea deal after negotiation with his defense. And he's he, you know, he's got a high powered defense team, I'm sure, oh, yeah, at this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. A bunch of them. Yes. And so Woodfox uh pleaded no contest uh to the lesser charge of manslaughter and aggravated burglary. Together with his time for armed robbery, he had already served 45 years, the total of the sentences for those crimes. So he he got credit for time served. Right. And when they added all that up, uh, he you know he could be released, and he was released based off of the prison prisoner's original trials in '72. Anita Roddick, uh, you take that part. So, and he was released. Uh, based on the time served, like Jim said. Now, y'all, let me tell you, Nolo Contende is that's not saying that you're guilty or that you're innocent. All that, I, basically, all that does is stops you from being sued in a civil suit. That it's basically it's a guilty plea. But he was released with time served on February the nineteenth of twenty sixteen, which was his sixty ninth birthday, and Wood Fox civil suit filed in 2000 with the plaintiff's King and Wallace is still pending against the Department of Corrections over the practice of extended solitary confinement. Basically, we recover the appeals and the trials and retrials and ultimately the releases. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's like Buddy Caldwell said, the Attorney General, uh, the 
they were tried and convicted numerous times. And yes, some of the shit shouldn't have happened, no doubt about it. But it doesn't change the base facts of what the witnesses said. And it doesn't change the base facts that Brent Miller was brutally murdered. The lack of evidence, whatever it is, what it is. The, the I've seen convictions with less. I've seen non-convictions with more. But ultimately, end of the day, they they were the longest-running inmates in solitary confinement ever. Um, and I think that brought about some change. But looking for a new and healthier way to unwind, I was too. And then I tried recess mood. Recess Mood replaced that after-dinner alcoholic beverage for me, so I saw a difference in both my mood and my belly. It's made with real fruit, it is only 20 calories, and it contains no added sugar. Recess Mood is infused with functional ingredients like mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing adaptogens, so you can relax without the alcohol or the hangovers. Recess Mood tastes great, too, and comes in four different flavors. My favorite flavor is the Strawberry Rose. So whether you need a moment away from the errands, work, and kids, or you just need a moment to chill during dinnertime chaos, Recess Mood is where it's at whenever you need to relax and unwind. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash RLRC and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You got to remember Brent's family and loved ones. Yeah, and um, you know that the the family has continued uh, to oppose Wood Fox's relief uh, release. They believed he was guilty, and uh, you know his father. As we stated, it worked in the prison. His brother was a prison guard. Another brother earlier served as a prison guard. And and they never they, – they stayed the course for the most part, never wavering. Even though the people are saying everything about the witnesses or the lack of physical evidence, they, they never gave up. And there was another assistant warden who was quoted as saying, you know what, I'll go to my grave. I've got over 40 years of dealing with inmates – and I'll go to my grave saying these fellas did it. You'll never change my mind about that. So whatever you believe is what you believe. Um, but Brent Miller's widow, Teeny, now Verrett, um, remarried, actually came to doubt Wallace and Wood Fox's guilt. And she said, if they did not do this, and I believe that they didn't, then they have been living a nightmare. Yeah, and and uh, you know that that's accurate. If if they didn't do it, they've been living a nightmare. Um, I will say this just from my perspective. Uh, I think there's no way only one person participated in this as as um, as some have insinuated. Um, let me tell you, if only one person participated, it would have been easy to catch that person. Uh, they would have marks on them. Uh, you know, it would have been easy. The, the, Somebody held the, him down. The blood scene would have been throughout. Yes. Like Brent would have been able to fight back. Yes. You know, it, uh, if somebody's uh, it holding. It was combined to that bunk, that 
place because of it. fucking they were holding him down. They were somebody, yeah, several people holding him down, in my opinion. So that's that's I wasn't there. I don't know who it was. I wasn't either. But I can tell you, I don't buy it. There was a a former inmate, and his name was Irvin Life Bro. Yes. Yes. And uh, as we discussed in an earlier episode, Billy Wayne Sinclair was a prison reporter. He was a prisoner that was actually an award-winning journalist, a good journalist. He was just a prisoner. Um, And Irving Bro asserted that uh, he killed Miller to Sinclair. Uh, Basically, he said that uh, he stabbed Miller and called Miller a casualty of war who of casualty of war who walked in as inmates were hiding knives. They planned to use to kill uncle Tom's, which were black prisoners. And you know, that, that, uh, kind of conformed to the, the white people. Uh, and life also stated that the free people, the guards knew what he had done. Uh, Irving life bro was later killed in Angola after trying to stop a prison rape. This came from Billy Wayne Sinclair. He uh, he said this in 1982. Um, I don't buy it, but that's yeah. just me. Yeah, I mean the, the you better believe if the correctional officers knew that this dude killed Brett Miller, they wouldn't have gone through all this other shit. I don't care mm-hmm. about the Black Panther stuff. I don't care about whatever you telling me that this cat killed Brent Miller by himself because Brent walks in when they're hiding weapons, then it's bullshit. That's my personal. But you know what? That's part of the story, y'all. Maybe that's why Teeny uh, believes now. The problem is with the whole thing, Jim, for me, is after 50 years now, 50 years this year, uh, uh, when you can go back and pick apart every little piece of something, you got 24 hours a day, seven days a week to pick, to find the cracks and the holes and all that. And look, some of it is, is legit. I get it. And it, um, it's all documented, but you can't, in any investigation, you can't get tired of believing the facts just because you're tired of disbelieving the person the accused, right? The person that you're after. Right. You know what I mean? And that's happened to me before in cases. And and where but I stood. I'm like, fuck, you know he did it. My partner's my partner was like, No, I don't think he did it. I'm like, we've been interrogating him for twelve hours. And but the facts show otherwise. And guess what? He did do it. Yeah. And and we don't know, but I can tell you this multiple, multiple times these these men were convicted for the murder of Brent Miller. And our U.S. court system is not the best in the world, but it's certainly no, it's not perfect. But not it's perfect, the best but it's the best world. in the world. And it, uh, so our, our court system is not perfect, but it's the best in the world. And the certainly the the early trials and duct tape mouse and shit like that shouldn't happen. But it doesn't change the facts of the case. And that's why when you ask me the question about double jeopardy, that's why they were never acquitted. They were never acquitted. And in fact, they all t- took a plea yeah. in the end to doing it. So whether that's because you're in, in, in the hole for 40 years, I don't know. But you still took a plea. Yeah. So regardless of who did it, Brent Miller's story needs to be told. And I, I've, I'm, I'm telling you, and I got the guy. I've, I've heard this story since I was a little boy. Yeah. Because um, my, my family's personal connection and, you know, I, I trained on that firing range. It's Brent Miller. It doesn't say uh, just firing range. I think it's his pistol and rifle range. Um, I, I qualified there. That was actually my first time out of the military to qualify anywhere. Wow. And it, and I, But I knew the story. I knew who Brent Miller was because my mom had always told me. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and But, you know, my mom was on the pro board and stuff uh, years before that before I was there uh, qualifying. So I always had the, the interest in it you know, and the story. And, and I really, really 
and you and I talk about this in depth. And how many times have we talked to my mom on the phone? Yeah, uh, so, uh, six, seven times just numbers. about this case in the last and, few days. And she feels just like she felt back then. And I, I told her, I said, we just want to put the human face on Brent Miller. And the like all these documentaries, I think three out of four we watched, didn't even mention Brent Miller by name. Yeah. They said, you know, the political prisoners, um, two of them might have said, even mentioned murder. One of them actually showed pictures of Brent and everything like that. But Brent, Yeah, the, 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 it got so sensationalized yeah, it, that the victim got totally forgotten. totally forgotten in this case. And so that's what we hope more than anything else that we did with this little series here is shine a light on that victim. Right. Because no matter what all of this was, Brent Miller ain't coming back. That's right. And Brent Miller never got a chance to have an appeal. That's right. And whether these guys did or didn't do it, that's our justice system. And and it's how it works. And Brent Miller died saying, why are you doing this to me? Rest in peace, Brent Miller. You're not forgotten, brother. Thank you very much. Again, I know that was hard to hear. Uh, we appreciate you bearing with us on uh, on that series. It, it had to be told that way. Yeah, and especially this last part when you get in all the courtroom stuff and all that, and, and that's not for everybody. That is such an important part of the story. Huge, huge. So we thank you all. Thank for you so much. everything uh, you do for us by listening to this podcast, sharing it. Can't tell you how much me and Woody uh, just love you folks for doing that. We're going to continue to do our very best to bring you the best content we can. Uh, and trust me, it just goes on from here. Yeah. And, uh, and every week, we're going to try to give you more and more of of Angola and the bloody stories from really the world's most notorious prison. Yep. And and the bloody stories, the inside stories, yeah. the air, everything. Yeah, how it tastes yeah. behind the wire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I just, uh, this criminal mind just fascinates me. But you go inside the gates like that. It'll really blow your mind. It really will. And uh, so thank you very much. We look, if it please check out the website, bloody com. You can get all of these episodes, including the video episodes there. Or you can also get them on your favorite podcast platform and audio, and you can get them on YouTube and video as well. That's more of an experience. We'll have pictures of, of subjects that we're talking about. And you get to see me and Woody uh, interact and go into our little zones that we like to go into. So check that out. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors. And Absolutely. Look, couldn't do any of this without those folks. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. We back you 100%. And thank you all for backing us. And I want to say this. I want to go ahead and thank our Chase team members. And Chase team members, y'all, are, are, are subscribers to Bloody Angola. Um, and for subscribing for $10 a month, they get early, at least a day early, commercial-free releases of Bloody Angola. And, y'all, we're doing this in response to so many of our fans that are like, love the podcast. Don't want to listen to the commercials. Can we make, can we subscribe? And so, if you don't want to listen to the commercials, we get that. Chase team members, thank you. We're hoping you're enjoying your early commercial free releases, and we will be bringing y'all at least one bonus episode a month that we'll have locked up for Chase team members of stories from inside the wire, never to be released to the outside public. That's it right. was to be only for the Chase team members. And we appreciate, love each and every one. If you need information on that, uh, we'll we'll get that to you, uh, and we'll link we'll link that uh, 
Patreon to the podcast episodes as well in the, in the descriptions. That way you can go right to it, get all the information you need. But absolutely, we you know it's also in response to those that say they can't wait. Yeah, yeah, that's and we right. want it. Right. You know, yeah, we we love it, and and uh, and so we want to give you an option to get something a little earlier, right? Uh, than maybe the general public, and give you a little extra an episode that that will never be released outside of uh, outside of that atmosphere, and, that Patreon. And, and, you get 12 of those a year. So thank you. And we really appreciate y'all's support. Hey, if you can't be a Chase team member, we get it. We love you just as much. Thank you for liking and sharing, subscribing, and leaving us reviews. I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. A bloody Angola. A podcast 142 years in the making. The complete story of America's bloodiest prison. Peace. <laughs> Monday, Monday. Oh, 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 oh.